Hello and welcome to this week's Inside Business and Technology show. I'm Tom Lyons. Uh, joining me in studio this week is Irish Times business editor John McManus to discuss what's going on in the Irish property market and in the construction sector, which is finally beginning to see a little bit of a comeback. Uh, uh, John, uh, first of all, let's just look at the, the big picture, which is the government says it's going to publish a construction strategy. Uh, what can we expect to see in this and, and why is it needed? Well, the strategy should be out in a couple of weeks, and I guess it's um, it's going to do two things. Uh, one is that um, construction should normally be um, about seven percent of the of of a healthy economy. It, it got way beyond that here in in the uh, in in the boom. We all know that, but at the moment, it's languishing at about three percent of the economy. So I think the government realizes it needs to do something to get. Um, construction activity uh, 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 up and uh, then the other issue is that as we as it's developed really only in the last year or so is that there's clearly a, a shortage of housing in Dublin and um, it needs to address that as well. And one of the things we heard recently was John Mulcahy you know he's a, he's a former uh, state agent property expert and who then went on to NAMA to be a senior executive there. He gave a speech recently where he said that, you know, we've got no data or not the, not that we don't have very much data about housing and what's needed and what's not needed. Uh, how, how can we, 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 we create policy if, he, if he's right? Well, this, this is the, the amazing thing, really, and, and, and he, he seems to have uh, named it. He left NAMA, I suppose, about three or four months ago, and he gave a speech there um, last week at which he said um, there is no uh, reliable source of up-to-date information available to anybody, the government in particular, about um, uh, the market. So uh, you know, they're kind of shooting blind in that they don't know what sort of houses they need to build, where they need to build them. Uh, and um, it's alarming, really, and I think that was the point he made, that uh, this is um, getting on for five years after the worst uh, property crash that... Uh, uh, Western Europe has ever seen and you would have thought if ever there was a, uh, a country that needed this sort of information it was us because um, we've completely mismanaged the property uh, industry for the last 20 years. So if, if we've got no data John uh, like what and we instead we've got these various lobby groups coming forward I mean what are they pushing for and uh, you know do, do you think that like that the government should take them seriously or or, or steer clear? Well, the, the, the construction lobby's main uh, proposal is that they there is a lot of land in Dublin that is primarily Dublin where the problem is, is identified and I guess where they see the money is to be made. And they would argue, uh, to simplify their argument, is that there's quite a lot of areas in Dublin where land has been zoned and there's even planning permission, but the planning permission is for probably the wrong type of uh, property. There's a lot of it's for apartments and right now all people seem to want is uh, sort of three-bedroom family homes uh, so they'd want to and the other issue is that a lot of the conditions that would even attach to this planning in terms of um, developers levies and roads that the developers have to build are um, might have made some sense back in 2007 but right now they they're so expensive to build they render the development uneconomic so they really want to see a, a revision of, of all of that, and they argue that this would free up a lot of building land in Dublin. It would make it economic, and then the banks would be prepared to finance it. It's a there's some logic to it, but um, the 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 beneficiaries of this of doing all of this would clearly be those developers who are still left standing and people who are now trying to get into into the game. And uh, I think it's 
it's for that reason that the government would have to tread carefully. I mean, what they say may be true, but unless you've got some evidence or some other way of double-checking that, then really perhaps you're just writing another blank check to developers, which we did before, and it didn't work out terribly well. John, I mean, you know, it's it's on the with the, all of this lack of data, I mean, and the prospects of things getting a little bit out of control. I mean, do you not think that in some ways, you know, it's better to, you know, at least we're seeing transactions, at least we're seeing a little bit of confidence coming back into the market, and that's something that needs to be encouraged? Well, that's the the bind that um, we're in, in a way, isn't it? That we uh, we all have a vested interest in seeing, well, a lot of us have a vested interest in seeing property prices recover. Um, it's going to lift a lot of people out of negative equity. It's great for consumer confidence. And um, so, you know, you can see how the government is incentivized to uh, encourage the property market. The The problem is, and again, it comes down to their, their, this lack of any evidence. They don't actually know which bits to be encouraging and how to, how to encourage it. So they're simply being led, if you like, by the construction lobby who, uh, of course, uh, are there to, to help their members make, make money, not to, um, not to manage the Irish economy. You know, you wouldn't rule out, you know, there being another property bubble or maybe a lo- more localised one than right a, na- a nationwide one, but uh, that we could see another property bubble forming. Well, I, I think in the absence of any, any, any other ideas, it's quite likely the government will, um, will probably give the uh, construction lobby some of what it wants in this construction uh, poli- um, uh, policy that they're coming out with. And I think you could well see, uh, as a result of that, some uh, a lot of people making a lot of money in the short term by um, developing three-bedroomed houses in certain parts of Dublin for which there's a clear demand. But whether that actually amounts to um, addressing the policy, uh, the actual true needs of the, the economy is another is another um, another kettle of fish. So no data, uh, lobbyists back to the fore, uh, prospects of speculation. I mean, it is really sounding quite like 2005, 2006, John. It sounds a bit too much like it, doesn't it, for, for, for comfort? But um, I suppose the one that if you were trying to... Um, if you were trying to sort of stick up for the government, you'd say they have been very busy doing other things and maybe they just didn't... Uh, uh, they didn't realise this perhaps this kind of uh, shortage of housing in Dublin, they didn't see it coming. And uh, But that's not to say that you know they, they, they don't need to tread very carefully now. Uh, John McManus, uh, business editor with the Irish Times, uh, thanks for coming on the show. On Friday, uh, Coss is opening its first Irish store on Wicklow Street. Uh, the opening may have significant implications for the commercial property and retail sectors in Ireland. I'm joined now to discuss the opening by Irish Times media and marketing correspondent Laura Slattery. Laura, just tell us what is Coss first of all? Well, COS stands for a collection of style and it's kind of the big sister brand of a company that will be well known to everybody as H&M, that's Hennes and Moritz. It's a Swedish uh, fashion chain. It's the biggest, uh, I should say, the second biggest retail uh, fashion retailer in Europe. And COS would be a concept that they launched a few years ago um, to, I suppose, cater for slightly older customers than, than H&M. So it, it kind of trades in the mid-market and it has a quite a definitive uh, kind of, you could say, Scandi-style approach to fashion. You know, it's very... 
um, you know, distinctive shapes in their clothing, quite a lot of loose clothing that might appeal to to a particular demographic. Um, but they're also quite uh, fashion forward. So you know, this season, you know, when 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 the shops open, uh, when the shop opens on Friday. Uh, it's quite a lot of pastels. It's very much on trend with a lot of what's on the catwalks at the moment. Um, I should say that there has been a, a cause, uh, a concession in BT too, um, but it's quite a small one. And this is this is a nice um, two two story um, unit that's in the old uh, Tower Records uh, shop there on Wicklow Street. And what are the implications of the store coming into Dublin for 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 the rest of the market? Yeah, well, I think it's more it's it's a reflection of I suppose. Um, uh, interest in a lot of these uh, international uh, fashion retailers in Ireland once again now that uh, rents have come down off the peak um, it, they see it as more attractive there, there is still quite a lot of football um, in say the Grafton Street area some 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 sort of prime retail locations and um, somewhere like Wicklow Street it, it has been quite healthy there's been quite a lot of interest in a number of uh, um, leasing and, and sales activity there and Laura, you know, a lot of people have been crit- critical at times of the Grafton Street area that's gone very, you know, sort of down market, uh, yeah. that the, the mix of stores isn't as high quality as it used to be. Do you think that that's changing? I think I definitely think it's coming back. Um, you know, uh, if you're if you're, say, you're, you're Brown Thomas or, or Marks and Spencer, uh, you want, you know, to be surrounded by other, you know, high end fashion uh, chains that that you know really make the street a destination. You know you don't want sort of temporary traders, you don't want too many news agents or too many um, phone shops. So you know in recent times we've had Kath Kidston, which is this uh, British kind of very floral, very kind of kitsch um, accessories and some clothing. Uh, they're open um, next to the River Island. And we've also had Levi's opening up and we've had Massimo Dutti, which is owned by um, the uh, Spanish giant Inditex, which also has a Zara, of course, around the corner on uh, on South King Street. So Cos stores would be kind of competing a little bit with, um, with, the, with the Inditex uh, group, but also might appeal to somebody who maybe would otherwise... Um, shop in kind of the autograph and limited collection ranges in, in Marks and Spencer. And, but do you think the, the street is still a long way behind, say, its, its main competitor, the Dundrum Shopping Centre, where everything is side by side and the, the standard overall does seem quite a bit higher? Um, I think at the end of the day, location is going to, factories are, are, are going to come into play there. Um, there are some people who will never go out to Dundrum, just as there are some people who just, you know, would find the city centre too awkward in terms of parking and everything else. The weather comes into play, you know. So it, it, there's kind of, I think, I think both can kind of coexist there. Um, although obviously it is much harder um, in this economy when disposable income, you know, still hasn't hasn't really come back. And Laura, I mean, you know, we've got Dundrum competing with Grafton Street, but. The other big area, of course, is online. I mean, is that, do you think that that's, you know, is that becoming the sort of the third force in the, in this particular area? I think so. I mean, Ireland would still be behind the UK when it comes to the percentage of the market that, that you know, goes to online. Um, but a lot of Irish shoppers would go to these UK sites, you know, like uh, ASOS. Um, they've, they've really captured the attention of, of, of shoppers. And... 
probably, you know, the more needs to be done, you know, the, to, to, to really kind of encourage that trend. If, if that's what you want to do, you need to have same day delivery, those kinds of things that exist in the UK market, but aren't quite here. But certainly I think that sort of philosophical barriers to, to online fashion shopping, you know, the idea that you, you people would be put off um, because they can't try on an item. I think they've fallen away a little bit and the newer generation of shoppers is quite happy to go online if they can get better prices and, and, and a better range. So um, for a company like um, H&M, um, you know, they've actually, um, their last earnings data uh, was actually disappointed some analysts because they had these quite high operational costs because of their investment in, lo- in online. So they're trying to catch up um, with the likes of ASOS, um, who are strong online and online only operator. Um, so the big chains realise that they have to do both. They want to have um, a presence in you know, really good prime shopping locations like the Grafton Street area um, and also have an efficient and attractive um, on, online operation. And, and just finally, Laura, other than costs, uh, you know, are there other outlets that are coming into Dublin that we need to keep an eye out for that sh- or that have impressed you? Well, um, I mean, it's been open a while now, but uh, there is one uh, uh, one chain that is attracting attention. It's it's outside the fashion world, and but it's the um, the company called uh, Tiger, which is kind of uh, sort of lots of kind of colourful knickknacks, kind of you know, sort of a bit like the IKEA market hall, but in in, in smaller uh, city centre uh, units. And that's actually a Danish company called Zebra, and uh, they've been dubbed the posh poundland by some analysts in the UK, and so. I think they're they're a chain that's expanding a little bit and it's cheap and cheerful um, and appeals to to younger shoppers. And it's, you know, it's again, it's 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 a nice addition to any any shopping area. Okay, thanks for that, Laura. I'd like to thank uh, my producer, Sinead O'Shea and sound engineer, James Davis. Uh, This show is available to download each week for free via iTunes. I'm Tom Lyons. Uh, Have a good week. (laughs) 